scripture reading this morning will be Matthew 25, verses 10 through 13. The 25th chapter of Matthew, verses 10 through 13. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. There's a great day coming. Are you ready for that day? We just heard the scripture read to us where Jesus himself says, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. As you think about that parable, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins in Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13, you'll notice that the Bible indicates that no one knows when the Lord will return. People who say that they see signs and they see things happening in political affairs and world events, Jesus himself said, you don't know when the day will come. So watch, be vigilant, stop trying to guess. Not only that, but this parable indicates that some will be prepared for his return. There were some wise virgins ready for the wedding feast and they had prepared and kept enough oil back so that when the bridegroom came, they would be ready. But the Bible also indicates that some will not be prepared. Some people now living, some people who have long since gone into eternity are not prepared for the great day. What I want more than anything for you is I want you to so condition your heart and your life that you're ready for the great day. That you're ready for the day when the Lord returns. And what I want us to do with our study this morning is very simple. I just want us to ask three questions about the return of Christ. The Bible indicates that he has ascended into heaven, Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And the angels that were present on that occasion told the apostles, he will return as you saw him go. Three questions very simply this morning about the great day in our future. What will happen? What's going to be the occasion when the Lord returns? Here's the first question for us to explore together as we think about the great day that's coming. Question number one, why has it been so long? I mean, Jesus ascended 2,000 years ago. It's 2020. And if we understand our history and, and the way that the calendar has been developed, it was in either 30 or 33 AD that Jesus ascended. So 1,990 1, years, give or take since Jesus ascended. 19, 20 centuries, why has it been so long? Open your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter three. Why is it taking so long? What's the holdup? Why has the Lord not returned? 
the Bible answers this question very practically. As you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, I want you to notice verses 3 and 4 especially. Peter said, and this was a long time ago that he wrote these words. He said, scoffers will come in the last days and they're walking according to their own lusts. In other words, their motives are suspect. They're, they're doing what they want. They're not seeking to please the Lord. But then he goes on and says, they're mocking. And here's what they say, these scoffers. They say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, here we are in this world and nothing has changed and the Lord hasn't returned. Where is he? Did he forget? They're making fun, they're mocking. And then Peter answers their arguments. As you're looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 5, Peter answers their argument in four ways. Watch this. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Peter says, Hold on just a minute, critics. You're saying that all things are the same as they have been since creation. That's not true. Things are not the same as they have been since creation because there was a worldwide cataclysmic flood that occurred in the days of Noah. And that worldwide cataclysmic flood guarantees and shows us that not everything is the same as it has always been. Things are different now than what they used to be prior to that flood. The flood was an interruption. So, in the first place, your criticism that everything is just continuing the way it always has, that's not true. Sometimes in history, things have been interrupted, the world has been interrupted, and it was on this occasion, and things are radically different now. But not only that, as you look at verses 6 and 7, notice that Peter brings up the fact that the very same power that produced the flood is also going to bring this world to an end. This world, which perished by water, will one day perish by fire, the Bible indicates. And what's the power that caused that water to come upon the earth? It's the word of the Lord. Do you see it? In 2 Peter 3, verses 6 and 7, the Lord spoke and it happened. And that's the way it has always been. God's word is powerful. And when God says, open up the floodgates of heaven, open up the fountains of the deep, in Noah's day, the world was flooded. When God speaks the word, which he has not to this point done, the world will perish in fire, according to Peter. The word of the Lord is what's important here. Argument number three, or reply number three to these critics. Look at verse eight. In 2 Peter 3, verse 8, God does not count time in the way that we do. Things take forever, it feels like, and especially when we're dealing with something that's, that's just no fun, that's just not enjoyable. It just seems to drag on and on and on, time does. Peter says, from the Lord's perspective, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. What he's saying is God does not reckon time as we do. You want to put it in perspective from God's point of view? 2,000 years of history is like two days. He just doesn't experience or reckon time, count it in the same way we do. 
And so don't think that God has been slack or forgotten what he promised to do. Don't think that Jesus' delay in returning is indicative that God has somehow failed in his promise. And that brings us to verse 9 of 2 Peter chapter 3. Why has it been so long? It's been so long because God's being patient. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is God waiting for? What is Jesus' delay all about? It's about you. He wants you to repent. He wants you to change. He wants you to come to him and humbly and and submissively put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you at the cross. More than anything else, that's what God's delay is all about. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. And I know there are some people that I'm talking to this morning and you're sitting there and you know you're not right with God. You know that you're not saved. You know that you're not ready for the day. The Bible says that God's not willing for you to be lost, but his patience will one day come to an end. The great day is coming. Don't test his patience. Put your trust in him, but he's being patient for now. Why has it been so long? That's Peter's fourfold reply, and that's one of the chapters we read this week as we talked about and thought about and studied the great day that's coming. In God's viewpoint, it hasn't been very long at all, and he certainly hasn't forgotten what he's promised to do. Here's question number two this morning. As we think about the great day that's coming, why is Jesus coming again? You know, there are a lot of different ideas that people have put forth. What's he coming to do? What's his return going to signal? What's it going to be all about? I just want to call to your attention three items that the Bible very clearly teaches will happen when Jesus returns. Three items that the Bible indicates are going to take place at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Item number one, when Jesus returns, he's coming to raise the dead. He himself said that. John 5, verses 28 and 29. The hour is coming when all who are in the graves will hear my voice, Jesus said, and will rise. Those who have done good to a resurrection of life, those who have done evil to a resurrection of condemnation. There's a great day coming. And everybody, think about this. Jesus is the only person who can talk to somebody in the grave and they listen and obey. Come out of the grave and that person who has long since deceased will arise. All those who have ever lived will rise. Jesus said, excuse me, Paul says in Acts chapter 24 verse 15 that the resurrection will involve both the just and the unjust. There are people today that teach that there are going to be separate resurrections. They teach that when the Lord returns the first time, that only those who are righteous are going to rise from the dead and everybody else is going to be left behind. But then later on, there's going to be another return, another coming of Jesus when the dead, the wicked are going to be raised. Paul said on the day of judgment, both the just and the unjust, Jesus said those who have done good, those who have done evil will all rise at the same hour. In 1 Corinthians 15, another passage that we read this week, verses 42 through 44, the bodies that will come out of those graves are what Paul calls imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritual bodies. When you read 1 Corinthians 15 this week, were you puzzled? I'm always puzzled when I read that, that chapter because Paul's trying to describe to you something that just can't 
adequately be described in words. It's something that you're gonna have to experience in order to know what he means. But, but he does his best using inspired language to communicate the idea. And the idea is that we're gonna have bodies when we rise out of the grave. And it's gonna be a little bit different than this body in the same way that a bird's flesh is different from my flesh or in the, different, in the way that the sun's light is different from the moon's light. Same but different. There'll be imperishable, glorious, powerful, spiritual bodies that rise out of the grave, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. And by the way, all this will happen, according to Scripture, on the last day. John chapter 6, verse 54. Why is Jesus coming again? He's coming to raise the dead, the Bible teaches. When those who are in the graves hear his voice, they will come out of the graves. The sea will give up all those who have ever been buried at sea. The Bible says that all who have ever lived will rise. Not only that, but when Jesus comes, secondly, he's coming to change the living. What if you don't die? What if today is the day? And it might very well be. What if Jesus returns and here we are still alive? What about us? The Bible says when Jesus returns, he's going to change the living call your attention to a couple of passages. I tell you this, brothers, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. He goes on to say in verse 51, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. What's he talking about there in verse 51? He's saying not everybody's going to die before the Lord returns. Some people will still be alive when he returns. And so, yes, he's going to raise the dead, but what about us who are still alive? He says, we may not sleep, we may not die, but we will all be changed. How's that going to take place? I mean, when you watch the movies and somebody transforms from one kind of being into another, when they, you know, when their bodies change or whatever, you know, it could take, because we have CGI and, you know, the special effects people, they want to make a big deal. And so it might be a slow process. It takes a little while, you know, from this person to, to transform into something else. That's not the way the Bible describes the change that's going to take place for the living. It says it will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. You're living in this corruptible, perishable body, and boom, twinkling of an eye, you're in a different kind of body. That's what it's saying. When's it gonna happen? At the last trumpet, see that in verse 52? When Jesus returns, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised, imperishable, and we who are alive shall all be changed. Why is Jesus coming again? He's coming to raise the dead. He's coming to change those who are living into their imperishable bodies. That's what 1 Corinthians 15 teaches. And not only 1 Corinthians 15, listen to what Paul writes in Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. He says, our Christians' citizenship is in heaven. And from heaven, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a great day coming. He's coming back. He's coming from heaven. And when he comes... Here's what he's going to do, verse 21. He's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. When Jesus rose from the grave, he left an empty tomb and he now has an imperishable body. And what he's going to do, Philippians 3.21 teaches, when he returns is he's going to conform 
my lowly body to be like his glorious body. You see that? What's Jesus coming to do? He's coming to raise the dead. He's coming when he returns to change the living. Number three, what's he coming to do? He's coming to judge the world. No second chances, no future opportunities, no probationary period. When the Lord returns, the dead will rise, the living will be changed, and the world will face judgment. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. In Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, when Paul stood on Mars Hill and preached to a bunch of philosophers, the way he wrapped up his sermon was to say this, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. That means you and me. He commands us to repent because, listen to his logic, Acts 17, 31, because God has appointed a day, a great day, when he will judge the world in righteousness. And he has given a guarantee that that day will happen by raising his son from the dead. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead is guarantee that the day has been set, the hour is in in God's mind. We're just waiting for God to say the word. The day's been set. What's he going to do? In Matthew 25, verses 31 and 32, Jesus described a scene in which the angels would gather all people from all the corners of the earth, all nations, every tribe, every tongue, doesn't matter what culture you grew up in, doesn't matter what time period you existed in, all nations will be present before him and will be divided, the sheep from the goats, on that day. Judgment. The judgment of the world listen to what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2 verses 6 through 8. Paul says, speaking of God, he will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, God will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. The book of Romans goes on to talk about both the goodness and the severity of God. Romans 11, verse 22. We need to have a balanced view of God, a biblical view of God. He's going to render to each one according to his works. Why is Jesus coming again? He's coming again to raise the dead, to change the living, to judge the world. There's a great day coming. And friends, it's the day of judgment the day when all will stand before him and give an account for how we've lived. Question number three, when Jesus returns, how will he return? You might be surprised that there are a lot of different ideas about what kind of return Jesus is going to have. Some people say that the first time he comes back is going to be secret. He's going to invisibly, secretly return, and we're going to wake up one day, and all those who are Christians are just going to be gone, vanished, because Jesus returned, and he took them all with him to heaven. It's a secret return. Nobody saw it coming. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that when Jesus returns, his return will be personal 
In Acts chapter one, verse 11, the angel said, this same Jesus that you just saw go into heaven will one day return in the same manner that you saw him go. He's coming back and he's coming personally. He's returning. He's not just sending a representative and he's not just doing it invisibly. He's coming back personally. But not only that, Jesus is coming visibly. Read Revelation 1 verse 7. Every eye will see him. Those apostles standing there on the Mount of Olives when Jesus ascended in Acts chapter 1, they watched him go. And that's what the angels were saying. When he returns, he's going to come in the same manner you saw him go. You're going to see him return. It's not going to be secret. It's not going to be invisible. You're going to see him when he comes. Every eye shall see him. How is Jesus going to return? It'll be noisy. Did you read 1 Thessalonians 4 this week? Did you read verse 16? Where it's as if Paul can't say enough about how noisy it's going to be. He's going to return from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. It's as if he can't say enough about how loud it's going to be. When Jesus returns, you will have no uncertainty about what day this is, about the the fact that the hour has come. Not only will we see Jesus, but we will hear. And even Jesus said in John 5, 28, as we pointed out, even those who are in the graves are going to hear my voice. How will Jesus return? Unexpectedly. Quit trying to figure out when the Lord's coming back. Quit looking at what nations are doing. Quit thinking about what wars are being brought about and quit trying to calculate and figure out when the end times are going to begin. Jesus said, no one knows. First Thessalonians 5, 2 and 3, Paul described the day of the Lord as like a thief in the night. If the thief broadcast and told you when he was returning, if he gave you signs that you could watch for, you'd be able to watch and get ready for the thief to come to your house. Thieves don't do that. The day of the Lord is coming at an hour when you do not expect. That's why Jesus says in Mark 13, 32, watch, prepare, live every day as if this could be the last day, as if this could be the great day because it very well could. How will Jesus return? When he comes back, he's coming with company. The Bible says, did you read 2 Thessalonians 1, by the way? The Lord is returning from heaven and flaming fire with his angels, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel. He's returning with all the dead of all the ages, their souls. The Bible indicates that when he comes, he's coming with company. He's not coming alone. As we think about the great day that's coming and how Jesus will return, before we conclude our sermon, and that doesn't mean start folding up your Bibles just yet, I want you to think about this. Scripture indicates there are only two classes of people. There are the lost and the saved. Which are you? The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Scripture indicates that there are only the sheep and the goats. Matthew 25, 32 and 33. You're one of those. If the Lord returned today, would you be ready to stand before him? Scripture indicates that there are only the obedient and the disobedient. 
Does your life show right now that obedience to God matters to you? That that's really what you're all about and that's really what you desire with all of your heart to please him? There are only the prepared and the unprepared. There are only the unashamed and the ashamed. There's a great day coming. When the great day comes, will you be ready? Maybe you need to come to Christ this morning to put on Christ in baptism, believing that he is God's son, that he's your only hope, repenting of your sin, confessing his name, and then being immersed in the waters of baptism. That's what Jesus called the new birth, John chapter three, verse five. Maybe you need to respond this morning and you want to